0: Joe Biden declares victory, but it isn't over yet, folks. Do Democrats now demand unity or a purge? What about those dance parties on the streets of major cities? No COVID problems? A Pfizer vaccine that may be 90% effective, and Governor Cuomo doesn't want Trump to distribute it. This, this is the Buck Sexton, Sexton Show, Sexton.
1: where the mission, Our mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence.
2: One more thing. Make no mistake. America. You're your great America again.
1: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is
0: Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Yes, I know. We are now in a country where we're expected, according to the media, according to the Democrat Party, expected to just accept the premature declaration of Joe Biden that he is, in fact, the president of the United States. We're we're supposed to accept this as gospel, and anybody right now who speaks out in favor of just Checking to make sure. I have not yet come on this show and said the election was stolen. I have my suspicions about how fraud occurred and how, therefore, it is possible that there were certainly a state or two or more that were stolen, but I do not know, so I will not say. I cannot prove, so I will not declare. But I want answers. I insist we get answers and this is where it comes on uh comes down to all of us asking for process here there is a process the courts exist for exactly this this kind of a dispute in an election whether it was for local dog catcher or president of the united states in a disputed election you take it to the courts that's what happens that's every bit as much a part of our system as the actual process of voting and counting votes and everything else that we have seen, right? So Democrats that are trying to shut this down and shout down those that are asking for answers are acting in bad faith, which is entirely unsurprising. You should expect a lot more of that. There will be nothing but that until Joe Biden takes office. If you even raise the agreed-upon irregularities, irregularities that always somehow seem to favor Joe Biden. If you point out those irregularities, you are a conspiracy theorist. But it's reported. I mean, we know about what happened in Michigan, where you had software that changed thousands of votes to Joe Biden. That's fact. That's not disputed. And I understand they'll say, well, we fixed that. Okay. Do we know if that happened in dozens of other counties, including in other states that use the same software? has anyone checked to look into this why do states have automatic recounts just think about this if we're really going to speak about our system and the process why do some states have in place an automatic recount and it is triggered if the numbers are at a certain threshold is that because people are conspiracy theorists is that because they're making unfounded allegations of cheating or is it because anybody who looks at a highly complex And ever-changing, especially this year thanks to Democrats, election system, both for the voting and the processing of ballots, and anyone who looks at this and is honest recognizes that there are going to be problems. There are going to be problems that are accidental. There are going to be problems that are intentional. There will be irregularities, mess-ups, and fraud. That's why in a really close election, you have a recount it's to account for those things if you lose by enough it doesn't really matter that's the way that we've come to accept election calls if you are downed you know by an enormous margin you'll notice we're not challenging the results in california we're not challenging the results in new york we understand that there are states that trump lost obviously but there are states where trump was winning by a very small amount And then a day, two, three days later, he was losing by a very small amount. And that demands investigation. Absolutely. What's the problem with that? There is no problem with it other than Democrats want to have victory parties right away. They want to jump right to the part where we all have to just accept their demands. And anybody who has any questions about the legitimacy of This Biden win is a bad person who doesn't believe in math and science and whatever else they're going to say. Elections, you're undermining our democracy. They have been saying, and I don't think the Democrats have really caught on to this, they've been saying that Trump and his supporters have been undermining democracy for four years now. Really everything we want and do, just casting a vote for Trump, just speaking out in support of Trump, they say is undermining democracy. So that charge doesn't have quite the teeth that it used to people aren't saying oh my gosh i don't want to be somebody who undermines democracy so i'll do whatever the libs tell me to there are real legal challenges underway do i think it is likely at this point that they will be willing to flip now that's a different thing than do i think there was fraud yes do i know how much no i don't do i think that courts will be willing In different states, and you know, depending on what the specifics of the allegation may be, do I think the courts will be willing to overturn this election? That's a question we all have to really think about. Do you you believe that a federal judge, let's say in Pennsylvania, or a federal judge in Arizona, any federal judge, is going to be willing to take the heat of flipping that state? You could say, well, Buck, they'll kick it up to the Supreme Court. Well, that all depends on. How the, cha- how the challenges go through the system. Do you really think they'll be willing to do that? I am not confident about that. And so at this stage, I say, we must fight. Of course we fight. And we're happy warriors. We're not bitter. We're not spiteful toward the other side. You know, they, they had a big victory celebration all weekend. We'll talk about that because all of a sudden, social distancing isn't really a concern anymore. Isn't that interesting? But they had a huge victory weekend. And for the first time in a long time, I saw New York City happy. And that was I will tell you that it was a nice change from the misery and despair, largely driven by stupid Democrat policies and a media invested in an apocalyptic narrative of constant covid panic. But we were relieved of that burden psychologically for a couple of days in the city. Uh, But I'm I'm happy to see people, my fellow Americans, I'm happy to see that they were joyous for a little bit, even if they were premature in their celebrations and if they were making a mockery of the very COVID rules that they scream at all the rest of us. A lot of people walking around without masks on, a lot of people, not everybody, of course, a lot of people were not social distancing. I think social distancing and uh, and masks uh, outside are largely unnecessary and often absurd, But that's always my position. They're the ones that change depending on what the uh, political needs of the moment may be. And so here we are, friends. We make a decision, we fight on. What other choice is there? We're going to cave? No, we owe it to ourselves. In fact, we owe it to our democracy if we're going to start speaking in these grandiose terms. We owe it to our system to make sure that people of good faith, and goodwill who approach these issues with honesty, that those people can look look at their uh fellow Americans who voted for Joe Biden and say, okay, it looks like you actually did win this one. Now let's get to the business of preventing Biden and the crazy left wing Democrats who are going to be controlling him from ruining the country. But I, I'm willing to get to that point. I'm not a dead ender. I'm not sitting here and saying it's not possible that Donald Trump lost. It looks Shaky to me the way that this happened, but it's a reality that I take into account. And we should remember that that's something the other side has already shown us they are not willing to do. They lied about the 2016 election in calculated and vicious fashion. I mean, they were willing to not just use the fabrication of Russia collusion against the Trump administration to undermine it and to try and stifle and and in every way it could slow the agenda but also they weaponized it legally i mean they used it as the basis for a criminal investigation they were trying to prosecute people around a total fabrication and it was all driven by their hatred of donald trump and their rejection of the will as expressed by the american people in 2016 so we already know who they are we already know what the democrat mentality is around all of this we also know that there were no riots this weekend from trump supporters no businesses burned to the ground morons at the washington post the new york times other places they were coming after me this weekend well look at this person here or that person there who said something mean or you know whatever whatever maybe okay i didn't say there's no such thing as a trump supporter who steps out of line i said that the trump movement and the overwhelming 99.9% of Trump supporters are peaceful, law-abiding, and accept where we are right now in this process. And that Democrats would not do that. The barricades, the, the wooden uh, barriers around businesses here in New York City, they've started to come down. Why? Because Democrats aren't going to riot. We all know. We all know that's what that's all about. That's what they were preparing for. They weren't worried about Trump supporters. And what does that say? You know, whenever you have a moment where you think, gosh, it'd be so much easier. And it would. I'm not going to lie to you, especially if you live in a city so much easier. Biden, Harris. Yeah. And all the celebrities and the celebrities will like your tweets and the fancy rich people in the Democrat Party will say, yeah, you're one of us. It's so it's so seductive to just join this mob of the Democrat Party that thinks that all you have to do to be a good person is be a part of it. Yeah, man, then you're then you're one of the good people. I turn, I say, to you just remember that that same political party is responsible for rioting and looting and mayhem across the country that continues to this day just over the weekend. I think it was out in, in Portland, but who even knows? They were going out and uh, and demanding people, BLM protesters, demanding solidarity from people eating dinner. And that's threatening. When a mob demands you you pay political obedience to them and you're just trying to live your life, that's a, that's threatening. That's not okay. Those are all Democrats doing that. These are all leftists and activists who are making these demands, who are inflicting themselves upon other people. So at least we should take some credit for that we should have a moment where we get to say when it comes to issues of being an adult and respecting the process as it is and understanding that this isn't about going scorched earth and burning down the country if we can't have control of it that's not our approach Uh, we are better than the other side when it comes to that so just remember that they they hate it when you'll say that because they know that it's true Not a single business owner, not a single person walking down the street peaceably across the country has any fear of a Trump mob coming after them. It's not true in the other direction. It's not true about Democrats, BLM supporters, Antifa, and we all know it. What does that tell you? But just remember, as these legal challenges begin to make their way through this process, that they are completely legitimate to ask these questions, to pose these challenges in the right forum, in the right way, and we continue to fight. This is not over yet.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: Well, it is a regional increase that we're seeing. We are testing more. And frankly, George, I'm not going to take advice from Governor Cuomo. He has the second worst death rate per 100,000 people in this nation. He's at 173 deaths per 100,000 ca- per capita. South Dakota's at 54. Uh, I appreciated that President Trump gave us the flexibility to do the right thing in our state and will continue to do that. He let me do my job. Uh, but the other thing that I think is going on here, George, is that this is all premature. This is a premature conversation because we have not finished counting votes. There are states that have not been called. And Back in 2000, Al Gore was given his day in court. We should give President Trump his day in court. Let the process unfold because, George, we live in a republic. We are a government that gets its power from the consent of the governed. That is the people. They give their consent on Election Day. Election Day needs to be fair, honest and transparent and we need to be sure that we had an honest election before we decide who Governor. gets to be in the white house
0: christy Nome is spot on here i also think she should be talked about more as the part of the future really of the republican party just exceptional i'm am I'm a christy Nome fan as much as i'm a fan of anybody in politics i always try to keep a little bit of a distance from politicians in general but she's she's pretty darn good and what she's saying here, she handles two critical points, and we'll get to the Cuomo issue later and and this, this uh, new era of the fight against COVID. Some big news today that I will get to as well about vaccines and uh, what we can expect now as a country going forward. But Al Gore did get his day in court. We should not be cowed. We should not submit to the demands of the Democrats right now, which is that we just move on we just quit you know do you, do you want to see what really happened here or do you want to listen to Brian Stelter who's like really he, excuse me uh, we need to be real journalists here CNN has a lot of real journalists and uh, we, uh, you know election denialism uh, uh, play 10 I do think at the same time we should all recognize that there is election denialism going on. There are crazy conspiracy theories out there being read by millions of people. Tens of millions of people are seeing this stuff on Fox News about voter fraud. And it is real. And election denialism is real. And it has to be called out, although I understand why the Biden campaign is trying to move past it. Yeah. Move past it being the operative part of all this. Of course the Biden campaign wants to move past it. Let's just, as a as a thought experiment. What do you think happens in this country if we, and and I'm telling you right now, I want to be very clear, we don't have this yet, and I don't know if we will, but even if we get one absolutely clear case of election fraud, one straight up, they were, meaning Democrats in one of these pivotal areas were cheating. It was intentional. We got them red-handed. They were caught. And let's say it involved uh, a few thousand votes. Okay? Which would not necessarily although it could change some of these states, but wouldn't necessarily be the margin of of victory or defeat. But if we find one, trust me when I tell you right now, the Democrats, they won't even blink and they'll say, just one, just one bad apple. Just one instance. Of course there. We always knew there was gonna be some. They're gonna forget about all the claims that. There was no fraud, which is what they're saying right. There's no fraud. That's a conspiracy the conspiracy theories, Brian Stelter says. There's no fraud. And then we move to, okay, well, fine. Maybe that wasn't true. And I think everyone needs to be prepared for the fact that the Democrat apparatus and the media, no matter how much fraud is uncovered, will claim that Joe Biden won this election. They'll, they'll never change. I will accept depending on how these court challenges uh, go, the possibility that Trump did, in fact, lose this election. But I'm telling you to prepare yourself right now. It simply doesn't matter to the Democrats. They will not accept it if these court challenges or if, if absolute clear fraud is established because it's not about what's right. It's about power. It's about being in charge, and now they think, their guy will be in charge and they're not giving that up no matter what. So all their talk now about, oh, undermining our democracy, just remember that because if we uncover any fraud, you'll see who they really are. They'll become fraud denialists. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe
1: on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: For all those of you who voted for President Trump. I understand the disappointment tonight. I've lost a couple times myself, but now let's give each other a chance. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies, they are Americans. They are Americans
0: not going to be that easy, Joe. Sorry, not going to just right now let bygones be bygones. A lot of us, 70 plus million of us who voted for Donald Trump have very clear memory of what the Democrats were saying about not just Trump, but his supporters for the last four years. They claimed this president was a traitor. They claimed he was a rapist. They claimed he was out, literally out crazy right meaning he'd have to be removed with the 25th amendment uh or that he was not of sound mind Uh, they've claimed that he is a racist gives aid and comfort to the ku Ku klux klan that he's a white nationalist they said the most horrible things imaginable about the president and used those allegations those baseless moronic allegations as a club to attack his supporters how could you if you vote for trump you're a racist too if you oh, which is so fascinating considering what we saw among the surge in black and latino voters for trump after he was president for 4 years right so they saw who this guy was in office in his actions never mind the rhetoric during a campaign they said and more black and latino voters god bless them said yeah i, I want more of this guy This is actually better. Better for America, better for our communities. But now you have this dichotomy. You have this uh, separation, the Democrats, between the calls for unity and the calls for a purge. Now, the unity calls are laughable because they still have utter disdain for Trump voters. They haven't changed at all. Joe Biden didn't run. On a platform of I'm going to make I'm, I'm going to make the country a better place, because even if you're not a Democrat. You're going to see that everything that I do is on the up and up. and I'm a no, he ran on. Trump is the most awful human being ever and killed 200000 people with covid. It's like he coughed on them himself and made them all die. That was really the thrust of the Biden campaign. <laughs> I'm not Trump and Trump is almost worse than Hitler. So vote for me. And we all remember that, and we remember the special counsel, the Russia collusion farce. Remember the sham impeachment by Nancy uh, Nancy Pelosi. We remember all of this, and they want us to just pretend none of that happened. They want us to act like we're all just friends now. Now remember, we're Republicans. We're conservatives. So yeah, we've always viewed our fellow Americans as just that. They're our fellow Americans. We're not. We're not going out there threatening anybody. We're not. Uh, you know, burning down buildings or. Rioting in neighborhoods and attacking cops and making all kinds of crazy demands, not not gathering with all my media allies, outnumbering the other side ten to one as the Democrats do to us, and demanding they be deplatformed. That no, we don't do those things, but that doesn't mean that we're going to forget these calls for unity are going to fade very quickly when we see that the Democrat Party of today has no interest whatsoever in reaching out to the other side on on anything it's the democrats want what they want on all of this they want they want amnesty trust me they're going to go for that that's going to be the first thing they really try to get done uh you know the biden campaign has already said they're assuming of course that he's won and they they've already said what his early executive actions will be uh he's going to repeal the so-called muslim travel ban which is not even in any way an accurate description now it included north korea and venezuela and but anyway they're they're gonna repeal that fine whatever you know they better hope they better hope that that one doesn't come back to uh, bite them who knows but they're gonna repeal that Uh, they're gonna get rid of the mexico city rule so they're gonna make sure that taxpayer dollars are going for abortion that's like a really big thing for democrats right away uh and they're gonna sue nuns you know, under you know they want to get that mandate going again under Obamacare, so everybody has to pay for all kinds of uh all kinds of drugs, including those that violate their sincerely held religious beliefs. And it's just going to be a a years long effort if Biden does in fact end up as the president, which I'm still saying is an if. Uh it'll be a years long effort to rub Trump supporters' faces in it and Here's the problem, folks. We're not going away. There's a belief among Democrats that anything was justified to stop Trump. Anything was justified to prevent him from having his mark on the country. And that that was really the central belief of the media throughout the Trump presidency. And that's what we saw with not only Russia, count, Russia special counsel nonsense and, and impeachment and everything else they did against Trump, But also with the attacks on Brett Kavanaugh, uh, whatever the tactics were that they had, that they felt were most effective, they would use them. It didn't matter what it did to the country. Didn't matter how underhanded it all was. And we remember that this is the part that I'm not sure they really counted on. And they have radicalized conservatives, not in the sense that we're radicals who are going to break laws and act like act like savages. But we have been radicalized in that we understand the nature of the political environment we're in, this political battle. We lose or they'll make us do stuff that's just wrong. They'll make us do stuff that's unconstitutional, that violates moral, ethical precepts. Uh, They'll do things that are contradictory, that exceed their constitutional mandate. So we win or that happens. And that's where we are. This old notion that if only Republicans just keep feeding the alligator, it will we can wait until it eats us last, I think that's gone away. Although there is an effort underway right now to try to bring it back. You're seeing that. We'll talk about Mitt Romney and the other rhino squad later. Um, but so the, the efforts at unity aren't really efforts. It's just a self-congratulatory demand. Okay, forget about all that stuff we did to you, conservatives. Forget about all the stuff we said about Trump and said about Trump supporters. Now we're saying we're going to be nice, so, so you have to do what we say. No. I say no. Uh, I do not uh, concede in many ways. Uh, I, I, will, I will not allow this gaslighting to go without response. And then there are the people that are demanding a purge. And this is this is fascinating, uh, because while we're hearing for uh, hearing some Democrats with this unity push, you have other prominent voices out there, including people like AOC, other voices out there that are saying there must be accountability for those who supported Trump. So, so which is it? Are we all friends now and we're going to move together as a Amer- move together forward into the future as Americans or whatever other? You know, boilerplate nonsense the Biden campaign spewing right now, or are we expected to have uh, punishments doled out for people that supported the duly elected president of the United States for four years? I'm I'm just wondering which one it's actually going to be. I, I think we we should have a right to know. And the problem the Democrats have is they they can't decide. They can't decide because they have their own lunatics. And there are there are turncoat fake Republicans out there who are also looking to settle scores, which is not exactly a great idea when you're calling for unity, is it?
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
5: I also want to um, echo something that um, my friend uh, E.J. said. Um, it's not only that Trump has to lose, but that all his enablers have to lose. They have to. We have to collectively, in essence, burn down the Republican Party. Um, we have to level them, because if there are survivors, if there are people who weather this storm, they will do it again. They will take this as confirmation that, hey, it just pays to ride the waves. Look at me. I've made it through. And so up and down the ticket. Federal, state, local offices. The country has to repudiate this. This has become a dysfunctional, anti-government party. That is not what the country wants and what it needs.
0: Ah, uh, yes. The Washington Post's in-house conservative <laughs> columnist, Jennifer Rubin, who I actually think is, I think is uh, deeply emotionally and psychologically unstable, but that's just an observation based on her public pronouncements and her work. Uh, Jennifer Rubin letting everybody know that this is what you do when you der- when you derive a paycheck from the opposition when you're part of the control the paid and bought you know the the bought and paid for controlled opposition within the Republican Party you're not even really opposition right? you're actually a- an infiltrator you are a a Trojan horse and you see a lot of this throughout media and what it really is is they're a little bit panicked because what is the future. For a Republican who was dancing and and singing and doing whatever they needed to do for MSNBC and for CNN, what's the future of a conservative, of, of somebody who had a platform and was supposed to be speaking for the right when they just spent the entirety of the last at least year or two, maybe the last four years, doing everything good to tear down Trump and to malign his supporters? Where do they go? What's their utility now? Because I got to tell you, the, maybe the game just continues to be what it is for people like Rubin on MSNBC, where all they do is trash Republicans. They're Republicans who advocate for nothing but Democrat policies, and now it'll be under a Democrat administration, and all they do is trash Republicans. I mean, the, the intellectual and ethical just grotesqueness of this is really beyond words, but people are sad and kind of pathetic. Uh, especially, I mean, anybody that would repudiate what they've stood for for decades of their adult lives just because professionally it makes a little more sense. It's a little bit easier and they still want to get invited to those fancy Georgetown cocktail parties, which are real, by the way. That's a real thing. I know. Believe it or not, I snuck into one or two myself. They exist where the fancy journos all gather and, you know, they all pat each other on the back and Make sure that they're talking to each other's book agents and everything else. This is a a whole industry, friends. It's a whole business unto itself. But I'm not only talking about those in the media, also the Republicans who were intentionally, deeply unhelpful in this last election cycle. And I think you would have to work very hard to come up with a name more prominent than uh, or, or somebody who is more obviously this is true about than Mitt Romney. Uh, here he is, play 19.
6: Uh, I'm not going to talk about my vote. That's in the rearview mirror. I'm going to talk now about uh, how I can work with the new president. Uh, I, I know he's on the other side of the aisle, but I want to make sure that we conservatives keep on fighting to make sure that we don't have a Green New Deal. We don't re- get rid of uh, gas and coal and, and oil. Uh, that we don't have a Medicare for All plan put in place, that we don't raise taxes on American enterprise—that would kill the economy. So, uh, look, I—I I, uh, I congratulate him, but I'm not going to put aside conservative principles. We're going to fight for the things that we believe in.
0: Mitt Romney is now the guy who, after watching all of his buddies get absolutely pummeled in a bar fight, once the cops have arrived and it's all over. He's he's yelling hold me back, hold me back from, you know, 30 feet away around the police cordon. Yeah. Thanks, Mitt. Those of us who are conservatives now, yeah, sure. You're really going to do you're really going to do a lot. Really going to do a lot for the country. Would have been really helpful if Mitt Romney had just swallowed his pride and his personal animosity and done more to help Trump in Arizona, but wasn't going to happen, was it? No. No. And this is the same guy who voted for impeachment impeachment now that we understand let's all be very clear of the president asking about what was a completely legitimate investigation into hunter biden's uh, various scams and corrupt enterprises that's what they impeached him for remember when it was all oh hunter biden he didn't do anything wrong oh right sure does anyone who still believes that well democrats will convince themselves to believe anything they want but Mitt is still very much part of that Republican wing that's doing whatever it can to pretend that they want to slow down Joe Biden when really they're just, they're luxuriating in this Biden declaration of victory. They love it. That's how much they care about conservatism. That's how much they care about the Republican Party and what it stands for, what it's trying to accomplish for people. That's how much they care about being pro-life. Yep. Bring in the abortion fanatic Democrats, let them run things, but you know, it'll show Trump what a bad man he is because he lost. That was the bargain they made. You want to talk about a Faustian deal? Here you go. Disgusting, honestly. Uh, But that's what you're going to continue to hear from people who pretend that it was all about principle when really it was all about advancing themselves and at a time when You know, it was it was all hands on deck. It's not possible to claim you're a Republican who's pro-life and to have worked against Donald Trump in this election cycle and feel like what you did was moral. And that's one area where get ready for it. The Democrats, they are they are absolutists on this issue. They are hardliners, no restrictions whatsoever. So so you can't call yourself pro-life and have worked to help Joe Biden win this last election. You can't I mean if you you can but you're a fraud. And uh, speaking of which, here's here's Mitt Romney, play 11.
6: I'm more concerned about the language that's used. I think it's fine to pursue every legal avenue that one has, mm-hmm. but I think one has to be careful in the choice of words. I think I think when you say that the election was corrupt or stolen or rigged, uh, but that's unfortunately rhetoric, rhetoric that gets picked up by authoritarians around the world. And I think it also discourages confidence in our democratic process here at home. And And with the battle going on right now between authoritarianism and freedom, Why I I think uh, I I think it's very important that we not use language uh, which which can encourage uh, a a, a course in history which would be very very unfortunate.
0: Has Mitt not been paying attention to over the last twenty years or so in America? The authoritarians come from the left. The authoritarians are Democrats. The people that want to tell you what to do constantly in everything you do are leftists, and Mitt is enabling them. And has been enabling them by opposing Trump in the ways that he has. But now he wants to tell us that we should be worried about authoritarians around the world. Honestly, I, I don't care what other governments are doing. I care about what this government is doing. I can't fight the battles for people all over the world. You know, truth is, some people in some parts of the world want different government than us. Want different things than us. That's actually the truth. What's this appeal to authoritarians around the world? This is blather. This is what elites who are looking for some excuse for knifing the current administration in the back. This is what they reach for. This is what they'll bring up. It's nonsense.
1: Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: The governor of the state, Governor Wolf, and the state Supreme Court flagrantly violated the Constitution of the United States. The power to set these rules and regulations is vested in the legislatures. They just ignored that, ignoring the Constitution. Now we bring it down to the actual counting level, the counting houses, and outrageously, observers who are the essentially the sentinels of integrity and obviously transparency, were excluded. The Trump administration the Trump campaign had to go into court in Philadelphia to get that basic right that the law allows. So at both the statewide level and the local level, Pennsylvania has just conducted itself in a horrible lawless way, and hopefully this will be corrected at the Supreme Court of the United States.
0: Everything Ken Starr said there is just a matter of fact. It's all established. It's all true. I just think it's so funny. Uh, The libs love to say, well, the poll watchers were then allowed in, but they were only allowed to be within 20 feet or something. You think you can see what's going on with ballots from 20 feet away? Anybody believe that? What, we're so worried about COVID? Not according to the block parties I saw in New York. Not according to the uh, celebrations all across the country over the weekend. All of a sudden, COVID, much less less a worry. We'll talk about that. It's not a surprise, I know, but I'm I'm not going to stop pointing it out because the disgusting hypocrisy of the left with all this stuff is, it's just too much to take. It really is. But Pennsylvania did something that is uh, contrary to law. Shouldn't that matter? Shouldn't we get an answer about this? And I can tell you this much, if this stuff makes its way up to the Supreme Court, do you think if there's an adverse decision of any kind that comes down from this now Supreme Court with with the addition of uh, of the, the latest Trump appointee to it, Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, do you think that there will be an acceptance of that decision as that's the process and it's legitimate, right? This is ultimately all about legitimacy. And unless we're willing to establish that there are rules that we all agree on and those rules are are political party neutral and they are universally applicable, there's no such thing as legitimate. There's just power. There's just the raw exercise of power. So if we're going to talk about wh- whether or not the, the vote means that a Biden presidency, a legitimate Biden, uh, Biden presidency is happening right now, we also talk about whether a legitimate legal challenge should be respected by the other side and possibly an adverse decision. The same courts that may decide what happened in Philadelphia is a problem. I don't know if they're going to throw out votes. I don't know what the final uh, disposition of that's going to be. But those are the same courts we rely on to help us set up all, all kinds of things in the legal process. Right, The courts have weighed in on voter id the courts have weighed in on you know moving polling places the courts are involved in all this all the time so i want you to remember that because the issue of legitimacy if you rely on democrats they're just going to tell you that whatever they want is what is legitimate whatever they think is best for them is what is most true and decent and and good um now we have to get to uh now we have to get to What's happening, or what was happening over the weekend with these parties that were going on everywhere? Um, Gail King mentioned this on there, play sixteen.
3: I call it unbridled exuberance. It's it's like Nora, the the country's having a nationwide block party. You can go from city to city to city, and for the most part, see people just jumping out of their skins. I was just there on the corner of 44th and Eighth, talking 44th and Broadway, asking a police officer, "So how do you think how's it going?" Goes the night is young, but I haven't seen this many people this happy since a Yankees championship, which I think sort of few years in this town, which I think really sort of sums it up. I mean, you talked about civility most people are wearing their masks some people are not but people are being very respectful and just very happy and embracing of one another on Times square which is huge at this particular time yeah you, you feel it the, the the joy is palpable out there 20
0: 20- so a few a few things about this uh, one is yeah of course there's there's being civil to each other they're all democrats they're all on the same team although there was some blm biden voter or biden supporter friction over the weekend in one place but yeah they're on the same team do people at trump rallies start arguing and punching each other no of course not right because they're gathered there in unity around that issue so i just think it's funny oh well they're being nice to each other yeah because it's all biden voters Uh, so of course they are because they're all they're all happy about this but i'm sorry it's it's increasingly impossible For me to hear with without wanting to scream, uh, four letter words that I can't say on the radio, it's impossible to look at this stuff and just see the difference that with the that the media treats. Say a Trump rally from a massive gathering of Democrats right outside the White House, and they say, "Oh, look, it's spontaneous." No, it's not. It's organized by people online. Let's stop this. Oh, it's all just spontaneous. All the protests, all the riots, it's all spontaneous. That's just another way of saying no one can be held accountable for this. It just happened, man. It just sort of happened. Fake Tapper, perhaps best known recently for tweeting out a photo of himself with a mask alone in his office, mask on, of course, saying this is what adults do. No, it's what people who are uh, paranoid and obsessed with virtue signaling, that's really, Tapper isn't actually as worried about the virus as he is about people on the left and the Democrats loving one of the last fake journos to still claim the uh, the, you know, just telling the truth, speaking of power mantle. Give me a break. But here he is in his once a month, once a month, he, he calls out something that his own side's not going to like, but it's all part of the brand enhancement. It's never, it's really never more than that. It's like once a month. He's like, well, maybe I don't like this thing that a Democrat did because there's a little bit of a And it's always blaring hypocrisy it's always something that's so obvious and then a lot of a, a lot of uh, you know moderate Republican types the media go oh yay look he's saying a nice thing about that's the whole game don't they see it It's not just not very clever um but here he is fake tapper calling it out he's he's seeing what we're all seeing with these celebrations in the street play seven
6: I know, uh, at least based on what we saw on screen, a lot of these people were wearing masks, but not all of them were. And CDC guidelines say either, even if you're wearing a mask, you should avoid crowds. New coronavirus cases are soaring. We've just had some of the worst days for new infections of the entire pandemic. Is it incumbent upon President-elect Biden to make it clear to his supporters that crowds are a bad idea? During this pandemic, even if people are wearing masks and he understands that they want to celebrate, but they shouldn't be filling the streets like that.
0: The answer is, of course, they're not going to say that they're going to wait maybe until they've had their fill of parties for a couple of like a week or two. And then they'll put out some statement. Hey, everybody, we take the we believe the science. We take it seriously. So now that you've had your fun for a couple of weeks and you don't really care about having street parties anymore or block parties, uh, you know, don't do that. That's what'll happen, right? I mean, look, I, I always, you know, what they're gonna do, you know how they're gonna play the game, but it was so noticeable and here in New York, uh, where I am, all day Saturday, with just cars honking everywhere. It was a a stunningly beautiful day. When it was over. It was like seventy degrees in New York City, which in November is is rare. Absolutely gorgeous day, and uh, you know they're they're doing this very festive atmosphere out there on the streets. And yeah, people are wearing masks uh, mostly, although I saw more people without masks than I have in a very long time. But they're gathering in huge crowds in places. And, you know, you're, you're not allowed to have your kids in school still in a lot of cities. You're not allowed to go and sit in a restaurant normally. I had to fill out. So while all the Biden folks are running around in, in big crowds on the street and they're cheering and they're shouting and they're having this great time, I sit down to have a coffee uh, with my girlfriend and inside and we have to fill out test and trace information. H- how the, how the hell is that going to be useful for any? I mean, we, we are just we are just getting drawn deeper and deeper into the tyranny of these morons every day. And it's going to get worse now, too. You, you're going to have two things go on. It's going to be moving in opposite directions, which is it's a cognitive dissonance. But Democrats excel at cognitive dissonance. On the one hand, they're going to be trying to tell you that everything is going to be getting better because of Biden. But there's also going to be this not yet. We got to double down. We got to triple down. We got to have more masks, more of all this stuff. And they're going to be saying, but don't worry, Biden's got it. But oh, we got to get more severe, more severe. And so he'll be both the savior and the uh, the taskmaster for us on on covid. So he's going to make things more strict while at the same time telling us that everything is getting better but we need to have all these more extreme measures because that's how he's going to fix it. Uh, it's it's going to really drive me nuts. But I, I actually was on a treadmill yesterday with a mask on. And I'm just sitting there. And, and I'm, there's two other people in the gym. And I'm like, the chance of me having COVID or these two people around me having COVID is like one in, I think numerically, it's around one in 10,000 or something like that. And I have to sit here and I can't breathe normally because... Idiots all across the country who have been who have been fed this nonsense about how oh the mask is such great protection. You have healthy people, you have millions and millions. you have tens of millions of entirely healthy people walking around constantly now with masks on. Uncomfortable, not able to breathe normally. Tens of millions of them. Healthy. There's no reason for them to be doing this. But you know, oh we can't know. We can't know because our risk tolerance has turned into basically zero. And they did it. It was all political manipulation. right? And, and now we've gotten used to doing what we're told to do. Even when it makes no sense. And they're going to continue to use that for their own benefit. They're people who like control. They like to control others. I want to leave people alone and let them just live their lives. As long as they don't infringe upon my life. And you know obey the law and fulfill their contracts. It's like leave me alone. Let me do my thing. You, you do your thing. No. Libs are the party of school marms and hall monitors that are always saying you're you're 20 seconds late to class go to detention that's the world we're going to be living in with covid19 measures for at least the next 12 to 18 months
1: you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast
4: our work begins with getting covid under control We cannot repair the economy, restore our vitality, or relish life's most precious moments, hugging our grandchildren, our children, our birthdays, weddings, graduations — all the moments that matter most to us until we get it under control. On Monday, I will name a group of leading scientists and experts as transition advisors to help take the Biden-Harris COVID plan and convert it into an action blueprint That will start on January the 20th, 2021. That plan will be built on bedrock science. It will be constructed out of compassion, empathy and concern. I will spare no effort, none or any commitment to turn around this pandemic.
0: Yeah, notice how they're a little light on specifics, aren't they? What are they going to do to stop this? We'll get into the vaccine a little bit. Biden and Harris have had nothing to do with any vaccine development of any kind. So that's not that. But what's the plan going to be? More testing, more tracing. Tracing is a joke. People who bring this up are just honestly not very smart or don't know anything about this issue. You're going to you're going to trace 100000 cases a day. Really? How? What does that even mean? And then I always want to say, well, hold on. If you only test if you only trace cases where somebody was indoors for 15 minutes or more with somebody with a positive case. uh, Does that mean that we can all stop wearing masks for the 15 second walk from our table in a restaurant to the bathroom like morons? Can, Can we do that? No. Bedrock science. Sure. What's the bedrock science? Masks all of a sudden work. You know when they decided masks work too the influenza pandemic of 1918, you know what it did to stop that? Nothing. But okay, Sure. That's all it's going to be. More mask harassment, selective mask harassment, by the way, and also uh, social distancing. This was considered by the scientific community, and I'm not going to let this go because I've read the studies and I know this was considered something we would never do. We, we were not going to lock down society over a pandemic. It's counterproductive. It's too it's too destructive. And it doesn't work. No, but oh, no. You know, they'll, they'll tell us, oh, but the death toll would have been so much higher. And look, I'm going to say, I think that this was, a, this was a mistake for the Trump administration to always say, oh, we would have had two million die. I understand the politics behind this. But the media won this narrative where, oh, if only Trump had done more, then we could have gotten the death rate even lower. What were they going to do? What were they going to do? It doesn't make doesn't make any sense. Uh, but the test and trace stuff. You know what they are going to do? They're going to create a massive, a massive health bureaucracy. In addition, to the one we already have for for pandemics. This is going to be the the big push. You know, we already have the CDC, we have the NIH, we have. We have I mean, I can't even begin to get into all the different. Health agencies. We've got state and local health agencies, and it's so much money spent on this stuff every year. And they're going to create a an additional. You know, this is the Democrat answer to everything: hire more bureaucrats, make more meetings and regulations, and then and then say that you've solved the problem. And then when you haven't in a few years, say, hold on a second, we got an idea: hire more bureaucrats, make more meetings, create more regulations, and and then it's just wash, rinse, repeat. They just keep going with that. That's what they're gonna do. So gotta tell you, it really just drives me drives me insane. Um, because if if I believed that that they had plans that were really going to be helpful in dealing with the pandemic, I'd be all about it. I want my life back. I want people to be able to just live their lives. This is to me, this is all just this is all insane. I mean people have gotten way too used to this new existence where we don't we don't intermingle. We don't see each other. We're not out there living our lives. We don't travel. And the the Biden Harris plan is to listen to the scientists. Let's listen to the scientists. Okay, what are this? What are these scientists? Wear masks. I know we get it. We've been told this now a million times for the last six months. We're wearing masks all the time. Our people are always. They're wearing masks, and yet the virus still spreads all over the place. But we're wearing masks, and it still spreads in blue cities. It still spreads in places where. You know, you see everybody walking around with masks all the time. Oh, but even if it doesn't stop it, which we know it doesn't, it limits it by how much they don't know. They just say it does. And what they were saying at the beginning of this, which was that, no, you shouldn't wear a mask um, because it's an imposition and it probably doesn't work. You're supposed to. And I mean, like Fauci, people that are supposed to know all about this. Just forget that they said that. Now you're an idiot if you don't believe what they're telling you now because of what they told you nine months ago, because what the science has changed. What, what do they know about this now that they didn't know then? In fact, they thought it was much more lethal then, much more lethal than it is. And we had far fewer means of trying to treat it and control it in a clinical setting for people that are actually infected. So what has changed? Oh, the political imperative has changed. The, uh, need that people the need that people have to think that what they're doing is somehow making everything better Um, that has changed too but i'm pretty sure the science has not dramatically changed here and you know given that we had an h1n1 uh, breakout in the past that you know killed tens of thousands of people didn't kill quite as many as COVID obviously uh, there there was never a mask mandate considered then. Why? It's no big deal. It's not that big a deal. They say it's not that much imposition. No, I, I say it is. I say it's dumb and the government's making you bend the knee. I don't like it.
1: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Let's get some ground truth going here, friends. Sean Parnell is with us now. He was in one of the most hotly contested and most visible congressional battles in the whole country. And it's still contested. They're still counting votes. But he's got some major concerns about what happened in, in his race in Pennsylvania, in the state of Pennsylvania. And then, of course, if this might have been replicated nationwide, Sean Parnell's a former Army Ranger and he's running for a seat in Pennsylvania's 17th congressional district. He's with us now. Sean, thanks so much.
7: Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, man, let's get right into it. What, what happened in Pennsylvania? I mean, you have your slice of it from Pennsylvania's 17th congressional district, but what, what are we seeing that, that gives you a lot of concern in your race? And then of course, across the state for Trump.
7: Well, so I'll just tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the timeline on election night as I experienced it. Um, you know, the polls, uh, the polls closed, people started voting. Uh, by the end of the night, I had over a 43,000 vote lead, was up 17 points. Um, Connor Lamb had a press conference scheduled early because I think that he thought he was going to be declaring victory early. Uh, he had to cancel it. Um, And so we started doing all of our mathematical projections, knowing what we knew about the mail-in ballots that were going to be coming in on the Democrat side of the house and the Republican side of the house and the independents. We figured out that on election night, there was no honest mathematical path for Connor Lamb to win this race. Uh, In fact, we were projecting that we would have over a 13,000 vote victory after all the mail-in votes came in. Uh, Then Allegheny County, Uh, inexplicably said that they were going to stop counting. This was not part of the plan. We thought they were going to count all night, uh, but they stopped and they were supposed to resume counting at 10 a.m. the next day. They did not. In fact, a ranking member of the Board of Elections, a lamb surrogate uh, and Democrat, an entrenched Democrat, um, started doing a media blitz. Instead of counting the votes, he's doing a media blitz saying, when all the votes are counted, we're confident that Congressman Lamb Lamb will have a two percentage point lead. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of a a brazen thing to say for your boy who's down by over 43,000 votes. Uh, And so they started counting votes on uh, the day after election day at about 2.30 and the race tightened. And we expected it to because uh, Connor had more mail-ins than we did. Uh, So we watched the race tighten. We were still confident that at the end of the day, 13,200 plus vote victory for us. but then at about 8:30 at night there were two successive ballot dumps, one for 4,000 ballots, one for 9,000 ballots. Uh, that put him over the top literally buck 25 minutes after that. Connor already had a press conference scheduled, like rolled out there, declared victory despite there being military absentee ballots left, provisional ballots left uh both in uh, in Allegheny but also in Butler and Beaver. Um and I just like to say that that 4,000 ballot dump and 9,000 ballot dump was not part of the calculation at all. We have no idea where they came from. And that number added up to 13,000 people. So we have no idea what's going on. We're trying to get answers right now. Uh, you know, we're combing through the, the voter rolls and the and, and those who would request an end returned at absentee ballot. We're finding all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, just in a one-hour search, we found probably... Over like a hundred dead people who, who have voted, and yeah, I appreciate the service of Civil War generals, but maybe they shouldn't be voting in the twenty twenty election. There are problems here, uh, and my concern is 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 that you know I'm fighting for the two hundred plus thousand people who voted for me, but also the two hundred plus thousand people who did not. But because right now. You know, I've gotten thousands of messages over the last couple of days saying you have to fight this. I'm never going to trust another election in my life. You know, elections have to mean something in this country, Buck. And and for Connor, over over 56 percent of the people that voted for him mailed in a ballot. Over 100,000 people mailed in a ballot. How can we possibly know that the, that those who mailed in a ballot are alive, are resident, are not an illegal immigrant, are not a felon, unless we audit the vote, you know, because every single person that casts an illegal ballot cancels out somebody who cast one legally. So we have, we just, to me, we don't have a choice. We have to audit the vote.
0: And so, so everyone understands, Sean. We're speaking of Sean Parnell, former Army Ranger, and he's running in a uh, still very heated contest for Pennsylvania's 17th congressional district. Votes are still being counted. Sean, uh, the changes that were made to voting. In Pennsylvania. Just t- tell us, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing universe, uh, you know, universal mail in ballots. We're talking about a three day lag from the election to count them. Yeah. The you know, what are yeah, the cha- what are the shifts that were made?
7: Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking at a mail-in system, Pennsylvania's mail-in system that was developed in the PA state legislature by Democrats and Republicans was supposed to mirror Florida, right? And Florida does a pretty good job of implementing their mail-in system. The results in Florida, in fact, were tabulated on election night, uh, which is in keeping with federal law. Um, But the problem in Pennsylvania, and while I support mail-in voting and certainly the system that Florida has in place, is that Governor Wolf, and Josh Shapiro and the PA Secretary of State removed all of the safeguards for mail-in voting that we would have to verify that a vote is actually accurate. They removed the signature requirement. They removed the deadline. In fact, they extended it. You could could drop a um, a mail-in ballot up to three days after the election with no postage. There's no signature matching requirement. In fact, in, in this election, you don't even have to prove residence in the state of Pennsylvania to vote with a provisional. It, so all of the safeguards that would protect the mail and system on both sides of the aisle have been removed. And because of that, it, chaos has ensued over the last couple of days. And, you know, a lot of folks are out there talking about the Supreme Court ruling that, you know, ballots that come in after election day have to be segregated. And yeah, that's certainly a good thing. But guess what? Ballots that were delivered after election day because of the governor's ruling don't have to have postage. So. How can you tell?
0: Sean, what are the irregularities? I, I won't say fraud yet, but the irregularities. And, for example, you said dead people voted. Uh, I've seen some efforts to try to explain this away as um, this is done to protect the v- victims of domestic abuse or something, that their their birth date will be shown as something that's not their real birth. I mean, is there is there any merit to that? What are the actual problems that have been established so far that you've seen in your district in pennsylvania because i think people if we find fraud in pennsylvania first we have to find issues right irregularities i guess is the word we'll use if we find actual clear fraud in pennsylvania that enormously opens up the playing field for people to look and and feel like they actually have a a little bit of uh of leeway now a wind at their back To look for fraud in Michigan, in Arizona, in these states that were so, so tight and just seem fishy. So what can you tell us that you've seen so far that's off about the way these ballots were counted or sent in?
7: Well, well, I mean, dead people voting for one. I mean, that's a big deal. Right. But is there Um, any
0: do they have any because that seems like it's, you know, as clear as can be. Do they have some explanation for that? As in, is it a glitch? in the computer system, right? I mean, is, you know, is, are there real, I'm just yeah, wondering.
7: I get it, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking into that. We have seen some irregularities in nursing home facilities, several in Beaver County, all of Beaver County is in PA-17. Uh, we're, we're looking in, we've got the sheriff in Beaver County looking into irregularities there where, you know, something like 70% of the nursing home patients in that facility both requested and returned a ballot on the same day. Uh, There were 19,000 mail-in ballots in in Beaver County that were submitted. Uh, It looks like, Buck, now this is staggering, 100% of them went straight party ticket. Now, the reason why that's significant is because in Beaver County, I won Beaver County by like 75-25 on election day. Democrats in Beaver County were coming out in droves for me on election day. Now we're supposed to believe that 19,000 mail-in ballots in Beaver County uh, all went straight party ticket. Now, of course, probably some of them would be party loyalists; those that would be inclined to mail in a ballot might vote straight party. But all of them—I mean, that's certainly that's certainly unbelievable. Uh, um, but you're looking at you know, so saying in Allegheny County, certainly those two ballot dumps that went almost exclusively for Lamb that weren't a part of our initial projections is something that I would say is anomaly, uh, an anomaly. But also, think about this: the Secretary of State's website. You know as we were watching on election night was updating ballot information right before the county was right that process should be reversed um so look this is the first time that we've ever implemented a a, a mail-in or early vote or no excuse absentee voting here in pennsylvania um i feel like we should make be be making sure Uh, That that these votes are audited and actually coming from real people just to make sure, because if we I mean, honestly, Buck, if we don't, 70 million people in this country are never going to trust an election again.
0: Are we able to do that? Is the auditing process you think strong enough for let's just focus in again on Pennsylvania where you think we can at least get some answers?
4: Yeah,
7: well, I mean, look, my race is a razor thin margin, right? I mean, what, what's going to be relatively simple, and we're doing this now, is is checking, as we already talked about, you know, for for people that have passed away, but also people that are non residents, um, also people that maybe have have a felony uh, or or uh, a, a potential illegal immigrant. None of those people should be voting, and if that number, the total number of that of, of that group of people exceeds the margin, which is this case in this case is razor thin. I think that brings into question the integrity of the entire election, even if we we don't know or we won't be able to tell uh, who voted for who. Right. But if that number exceeds the margin, then how can anybody trust the results? Right. So um, these are the things that we're looking at now. And of course, you know, the auditing process, it, it does it does cost money. And of course, you know, we've 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 started an election defense fund for that reason. Uh, just to make sure that, that we're defending free and fair elections and that every legal vote counts. And if you go to my website, seanforcongress.co, uh, you can contribute and, and help us do that. Uh, but yeah, Buck, we're, we're trying to do it. We're trying to defend the election because, again, Republican, Democrat, Independent, doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I want to make sure people have trust and confidence in our, in our system, right, moving forward. And, and, and right now, Half the people, I mean, seriously, 200 plus thousand people voted for me. They don't.
0: Sean, uh, before we let you go, you're a Pennsylvania guy. I know that this wasn't your district, your area. How confident are you that there was intentional fraud going on in Philadelphia?
7: I, 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 I'm confident. I mean, I, gosh, I don't I don't I have to be careful. I have to be careful with how I say this. But I mean, they're after there. there's absolutely there absolutely was misconduct absolutely like there's there's no and and look it, the the media is going to say oh parnell is pushing unfounded allegations it's like well look there are two ways to prosecute a crime with a confession and 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 a body or you have to build the case and present the case to the jury right now we're in the process of building the case right and there is clear evidence of of fraud in philadelphia uh, fraud here in in Western Pennsylvania, I would say, and and right now uh, we're we're collecting affidavits from people who would swear under oath uh, to that fact as to whether it, it as to whether or not it's going to be enough to sway the election. In either way, I don't know, but I think we have a duty and responsibility to look into it anyway to make sure that this stuff doesn't happen going forward.
0: Sean Parnell, everybody, former Army Ranger and still congressional candidate in Pennsylvania, Sean. You're a man who stays in the fight. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Buck. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: Big news out today about vaccine development. Seems Pfizer is claiming that it's data so far on a vaccine. And, you know, Pfizer, uh, probably the best known or one of the biggest and best known drug companies in the world, uh, Pfizer saying that their vaccine is 90% effective. 60 to 70% effective, something in that range would be considered a really stro- a really solid vaccine. They're saying there's just 90% effective. Uh, if that's correct and we get this thing distributed, the pandemic, at least this strain of COVID 19, uh, is going to come to a screeching halt pretty quickly, right? Or maybe it's going to come to a halt pretty fast. Screeching halt, I guess, to be all at once. But it's going to go away. It is going to go away. And this should be cause for universal jubilation. In fact, it would be much more understandable in my mind, not a surprise, if people were outside cheering and dancing in the streets about the imminent vaccine approval and how we can have our lives back then instead of uh, old... Uh, out of it just clown joe biden i can't believe that they, this guy they think is going to be the president <clears throat> it's still that's <laughs> still amazing joe joe biden is a is a third tier mind and a fourth tier politician is about to be president of the united states what what a remarkable thing this is got it done where hillary couldn't at least that's what they're saying i know we're it's not over yet but you know what i mean uh anyway the vaccine should be caused for Universal celebration. Uh, But here's what I'm going to tell you right now. This becomes the narrative. And you're not going to want to hear this, but you need to hear this. Joe Biden and Kamala beat the pandemic. They're going to be in office. This is the narrative. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But if they're in office and if, if they take office as they're currently planning to, there will be distribution of a vaccine that is part of operation warp speed one there's several vaccines any one of them part of operation warp speed and they will uh, they will claim that it's because of how great Kamala and Joe Biden are that the vaccine is out there and, and now you and you're going to start to see deaths go down dramatically I mean once you get this stuff out to seniors I mean if you just get covid vaccines to every nursing home in the country for example, and everyone over 65 with a a comorbidity or a a comorbid health issue, you're going to see the death rate just start getting chopped. I mean, the day-to-day deaths from this are going to start getting chopped down, which is fantastic. Look, it's great. I just want us to not have COVID anymore. It's It's not political for me. I just don't want COVID anymore. I want this gone. I want us to have normal life back. And I want as many lives saved as possible between now and when we can finally stop thinking about this. Stupid China virus it's ruined the world for for a year. Um, but the Democrats are going to take full full credit for this. If Biden take, I, I, you guys understand. I don't. I think that Biden. There's still a fight here, and it's not a done deal. But I, I'm going to be talking about this sometimes. Like, well, right now the expectation is Biden is going to be taking, taking the presidency. Uh, if if they're in that position, you're going to see Joe Biden talking about how it'll be like he was in a lab coat in the basement the whole time developing the vaccine himself. Just get ready for it. Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex and Show
1: podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We've all known that COVID was going to be used as a political weapon. That, That much has been clear. And it was. I think, if anything, the Biden campaign has COVID to thank for even being at this point where they think that they've already won this thing. with Without a pandemic, Trump has done such a good job in office that I think it's uh, very unlikely any Democrat candidate would have even had a shot. But, you know, the the situation is what it is. This is how it all came down. But the good news is it's going to end soon. The good news is we're going to see that COVID-19 is not in our future forever. We're going to figure this out. And it's, I think, going to happen in a matter of, of just months here. We're going to see the results. So it's not just going to be theoretical because of this vaccine. Now, Pfizer saying they've got a 90 percent. And there are other vaccines based along similar. You know, this is where there's actual science I and mean, the people doing vaccine research. And they know stuff that the public doesn't know. I think it's so funny. because listen to the experts. They say, what, do I like, hear the experts tell me to wash my hands or cover my mouth or whatever? I already know that. Thanks. But when you're talking about Pfizer's vaccine research team, these guys are doing some pretty incredible stuff, guys and gals, of course. Uh, this is a, an enormous achievement, assuming that it continues on this path, that we'd have a vaccine in less than a year at 90% uh, effectiveness. That's really important. Here's what the governor of New York, just to take one guy, is saying about this at this point. Play three.
8: It's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. The vaccine plan is very important. and It's probably the most ambitious undertaking undertaking since uh, COVID began. Uh, Just to put it in focus, uh, we did 120 million COVID tests in this nation over seven months scrambling, doing everything we can. We now have to do 330 million vaccinations, maybe twice. Uh, My state does more testing than any state in the United States. We did 12 million tests. We have to do 20 million vaccines. Uh, And the Trump administration is rolling out the vaccination plan, and I believe it's flawed. I believe it learns nothing from the past. They're basically going to have the private providers do it, and that's going to leave out all sorts of community that were left out the first time uh, when COVID ravaged
0: them. He can't even give credit to the outgoing, possibly, Trump administration. Can't even give them credit for the, this period of time where we're finding out who the next president's going to be for the incredible achievement of getting you know helping to get a vaccine. Now, look, Pfizer, it's the scientists in the private sector, mind you. It's not the CDC that found the vaccine. It's not the NIH that's got a cure. It's private sector. I think that's worth noting. But the government stepped in and said that they would essentially financially guarantee any company that went forward and, and created vaccine, if they did not get approval, they wouldn't be on the hook for uh, whatever it is, you know, a billion dollars. or I, don't, I have no idea what the, un, what the inventory cost would be of that. But they created vaccine as they went. So that there was already a stockpile of it instead of waiting to see if it's approved and then start creating a stockpile, which is going to save months and months and therefore save lives, thousands of lives minimum will be saved by this. But Cuomo won't even give them, won't even give them a, a moment of recognition here. In fact, he takes it in the opposite direction. And says that it's a bad thing that Trump is going to be ruling this out because of the focus on the private sector. What are these areas where no one has access to a pharmacy? Is is this really the new the new claim? And and no one who wants the vaccine is going to be able to get to it. Does he he thinks the government's going to do a better job? Cuomo is a case study in how horrifically incompetent and and ridiculously just dumb government can be when it comes to dealing with a serious problem. Cuomo's the guy who has the the worst per capita outcome. I think maybe maybe New Jersey is technically worse per capita. But in many ways, I mean, New York is the prime example. It is the epitome of poor government action that led to thousands and thousands of additional deaths from covid. And the nursing home order will go down in history, despite Cuomo's efforts to rewrite history. The nursing home order will be viewed as the single dumbest, most reckless, most lethal and incompetent decision made during the entire pandemic. Dwarfs anything else that we've seen from it, from anyone else in all this. And yet you notice that the Democrats keep going to this guy. I mean, ABC News, George Stephanopoulos. They keep going to these guys like Cuomo as the exemplars. They are the people to be held up as heroes for how well they did in dealing with this disease. And and I'm just here to remind you, that's crazy. Cuomo's leadership on COVID is a case study in failure. But now he's supposed to be held up as some kind of a some kind of a hero. He's going to be held up as a guy that that knew how to get it all done. It's it's absurd. And, and just the fact that he's already saying that the Trump team somehow they helped get the vaccine to a place in in record time. And also, I'm not I'm going to know we're just hearing now about the 90 percent plus effective vaccine. Trust me, F- Pfizer is not going to come out and say our vaccines 90 percent plus effective unless they're pretty damn sure of it. You know, these these things, they have massive trials, a ton of data. They're not going to say that unless that's tr- unless they really believe that's true. He, you don't want to be the uh, the Pfizer PR flack. Let's say, actually, it's more like 40 percent. Right. They're, they're they're correct here. I'd be willing to bet. And yet. The federal government's role in helping bring this to this point is ignored. and They're going to say that Trump doesn't know how to get this part of it done. Who do you trust to run logistics more? Trump, who's been involved in business and had deadlines and. And private sector competition to deal with or Cuomo, who's the governor because his dad was a Cuomo who was the governor. Who who do you think is smarter? Who do you think is better at this stuff? But no, Cuomo's out there saying not only does does he view it as a bad thing that Trump and his team are in charge going to this phase, but that he wants to stop distribution of this before it does damage, play four.
8: And that's what happened the first time with COVID. Why do we have such a disparity in the infection rate and the mortality rate in COVID? Because some communities uh, don't have the same access to health care. Uh, I'm sure the Biden administration is going to address that. I think his first step saying, let's focus on the science. Let's depoliticize testing data uh listen to the science is the exact opposite of trump but uh you have two months and we can't let this vaccination plan go forward the way the trump administration is designing it because biden can't undo it two months later we'll be in the midst of it uh and i'm going i've been talking to governors across the nation about that uh how can we shape the trump administration vaccine plan to fix it or stop it uh, before it does damage.
0: Stop the distribution of a life-saving vaccine because they don't like the way the Trump administration is going to distribute it. Remember, it's going to be free for everybody, no cost. It's going to be in. It's going to be in drugstores all over the country. They've already prepared. They, they've gotten it to this point. And here you have the governor of New York saying, not only does he want to do this in, in his state. If you live in a state with a, uh, a Democrat governor, friends, wherever you are, you know, guess what? You're going to be affected by this, too, because they're all going to have this whole, oh, we have to. You know what this is really about? They want Trump and Kamala. I'm sorry. They want Biden and Kamala to be the ones who distribute the vaccine. They want them to get the credit. So they're going to argue that this is a flawed system. And even though Trump's not going to wait for them to try to distribute this once it gets approved, they're going to say, we shouldn't distribute it now. It's being done the wrong way. And then all of a sudden, when Biden and Kamala come in, it'll be, oh, now they're doing it the right way. You know, it's funny. Uh, they, they always said that, that Trump inherited the Obama economy. Meanwhile, the Trump economy was much better than the Obama economy. So how he inherited something that he the point is, he dramatically improved on what was going on before him, which is just a fact. Uh, but here we have a true inheritance of a vaccine if Biden and Harris are the incoming administration and they will do everything they can to just write them out in the history books, r- write out uh, the Trump Pence hand in all of this. And I'm sorry, but I can't help but feel like the absence of talk of a vaccine, you know, in the days leading up to the election was intentional. Was intentional from the media. They didn't want people to feel Hopeful. They didn't want people to feel like Trump had seen us through this storm and he's a much better guy once we get through this to be running the economy than Joe Biden. We all know it. So, no, it was, oh, Trump won't listen to the science. Look at how terrible everything is. Look at how we're all just going to keep dying from this virus forever. It's never, ever going to stop. You're never going to get your life back. That's what they wanted people to believe. And so there was a, a relative silence around this. In the days before the stock market had a big jump. Airline stock, a Delta airline stock, uh, as of this morning, at least when I looked at it, it it jumped up, what, 15 percent? I mean, people realize, uh oh, guess what? Looks like maybe Trump was telling the truth this whole time. It was the people saying that Trump was lying about the vaccine and the speed with which it could be developed and distributed. They were the ones lying. And I think it's worth noting that I think it's worth remembering that. As we all as we all go forward here, as much as the Biden team wants to walk around pretending like they've got some brilliant new strategy, some some amazing new way that they are developing, uh, that they're you know, creating a, a system to destroy the virus once and for all. that's all nonsense. What exactly are they saying about this? What what what's supposed to be new? Uh, what's supposed to be new with all of this? Um, there's, the answer is very, very little. But it doesn't matter, friends. It doesn't matter. Uh, just recall that it was the Trump-Biden battle of 2020 as played out with the media that showed us you can never trust the media again. Don't let them play this game now where they, uh, where they all across the country have gotten away with this all right don't don't let them do it remember who they were remember the dishonesty in the media coverage no matter what the future is in terms of who actually ends up being president for four more years
1: you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast
2: this is a contested election. The media doesn't decide who becomes president. If they did, you would never have a Republican president for, uh, forever. So we, we're discounting them. So what happened? The Trump team has canvassed all early voters and absentee mail-in ballots. In Pennsylvania uh, and they found over a hundred people I think were dead but 15 people that we verified to have been dead who voted but here's the one that gets me six people restored after they died and voted in Pennsylvania I guess you're never out of it if Republicans don't challenge and change the US election system there will never be another Republican president elected again President Trump should not concede uh, we're down to less of 10,000 votes in Georgia Georgia. He's going to win North Carolina. We've gone from 93,000 votes to less than 20,000 votes in Arizona, where more, more votes to be counted. There are allegations of system failure, fraud. John James, do not concede. These computers in Michigan do not pass the smell test. Keep fighting for every legal and live vote.
0: Lindsey Graham is absolutely correct. I meant to play this for you at the, at the top of the show, actually, so I'm glad I, I got it in or near near the beginning of the show. Uh, what Lindsey Graham is saying here is absolutely true. There are irregularities. There are problems with this vote. We know there are problems, so let's see how many problems. Let's see how deep it runs. Let's see if we can fix it. And this is about even more than, than Trump. If they can pull this off and there are there's no transparency, there's no consequences for any possible fraud, and they can continue to leave future elections up for this kind of fraud, Uh, You're going to have a huge challenge ever winning another national election because Democrats were able to were able to pull it off this time. Guess what? The next time is going to be the same thing. Run the exact same playbook. So I I do think it is it is essential. It is essential that we continue to see this thing through. And I think it's so funny that, that the left is already claiming that they know the outcome of all these legal challenges when how can they know? Have they already done the audits? No, of course, they just don't want it to happen because they're going to have to go with a very, there's going to be a very challenging, a very challenging switch they're going to have to pull off where they say there's no fraud and then give it time. They're going to say, well, there wasn't that much fraud. And I think they're recognizing right now that saying there was no fraud at all is going to be a a difficult position to defend. Here's Simone Sanders, Democrat talking head, strategist, whatever. Play 13.
6: Has anyone from the Trump White House or anyone from House or Senate Republican leadership reached out to President-elect Biden in any way.
3: I do think there have been a number of Republicans who have reached out. I don't believe that um, uh, President-elect Biden has connected with those folks, but a number of Republicans um, from the Hill have reached out. I don't believe anyone from the White House has. I think the White House has made clear what their strategy is here and that they are going to continue to participate and push forward these flailing and, in many in many respects, baseless um, legal strategies. But the people, Jake, are the folks that decide Uh, elections in this country and the people have spoken
0: baseless legal strategies checking to see if there are illegal votes cast is a baseless legal strategy we're told okay sure sure, yeah not not a lot of pushback from fake tapper on that one is there no of course not i think he also he also interviewed uh stacy abrams over the weekend on his cnn show i saw a clip of this didn't ask Stacey Abrams, who's never conceded that she lost the Georgia election. Never conceded. She's always claimed that she won, even though she lost. But that's okay. If you're Stacey Abrams, you're allowed, you're allowed to do that. That's, uh, that's not a surprise. Uh, if you're Hillary Clinton, you're allowed to do that, right? Never really conceded. It was, it was always the Russians. So the left, we see, that they're the kings and queens of never, ever, ever admitting that they lost fair and square. And then the one time they think they've won, they're like, why won't, you just, why won't you just admit defeat right away? Oh, gee, I don't know, because we pay attention, because we see what has happened in the past. And we also, I mean, there are dead voters, which means that there are people that voted that should not have been voting. Now, may, maybe there's some explanation for this that's supposed to be legitimate and clear up any confusion or doubt. Maybe I would really like to know what that's supposed to be. I I just want answers. I'm asking questions about this election for which I want there to be answers. And I think we're all we're all starting to see right now that the left is is opposed not just to rhetoric from Trump that they think is undermining Biden's victory. They are straight up opposed to getting answers and finding out what really happened here. They do not want transparency. They want to move on. They want to shut it down. That's what's contested right now.
1: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ain't no party like a Team Buck party, because a Team Buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11 It's time for Roll Call.
0: Roll Call. Facebook.com slash Buck Saxton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. So please do join for all of that goodness. Um, And uh, just send us your thoughts. Very, very easy to do. We always appreciate it. And uh, all righty. Let's get to it. Um, Producer Mark, how was your weekend?
9: Pretty good. I attended a Friendsgiving. It was always fun.
0: Did you see there was there's already this circulating out there of most popular Thanksgiving side by state. And uh, New York and the whole northeastern sort of New York, New Jersey area is stuffing because we are a civilized people who appreciate the deliciousness of stuffing. And yes, I will tell you there's gluten-free stuffing that tastes every bit as good as the real thing.
9: Now, does your family just make gluten-free stuffing or is there two separate stuffings? We
0: do two separate. We do two separate. Because uh, my sister loves the, re- the, she wants the real deal, the original. But my brother is gluten-free too. So there's two of us. So we do the gluten-free. But I, but I bring this up. One, I want to know producer Mark's favorite side. But also, very interesting, how many states, including Texas, green bean casserole, Really? was the favorite thanksgiving side which i mean green beans good it's healthy is green bean casserole like exciting to eat i never i always think of green beans as a thing that you, you put on the plate so you feel like you're getting veggies
9: yeah i mean you can make really good green beans uh, but it's not something i'm going to go to thanksgiving dinner looking forward to that's for sure
0: total respect for the south on this one states like north carolina south carolina georgia their favorite Thanksgiving side is mac and cheese, which, respect, mac and cheese is amazing. So mac and cheese stuffing. The West Coast comes in with mashed potatoes, which I also think is, uh, is completely acceptable. I love mashed. Mashed potatoes and gravy is amazing. So, you know, people, most Americans get Thanksgiving. They Maine showed up with green salad, which I just don't, I think that must be a, that must be a computer glitch. I, I'm not believing that.
9: Yeah, what, that's not what defines that, too?
0: Yeah, Just a salad, basically? salad with Thanksgiving? Does any does anyone eat salad at Thanksgiving? What are we, communists? It's yeah, absurd. Funny.
9: I mean, sure, maybe you want to start the meal with a salad, fine. But to call it your favorite side?
0: Yeah, exactly. If you want that option, so you feel like you're being a little healthy while you eat 3,000 calories of turkey, cranberry sauce, gravy, mashed potatoes. You know, if you want to fool yourself into thinking the three pieces of lettuce— That you put on your plate makes it, you know, a total uh, healthy meal. Fine. But, yeah, no, your favorite side, I I thought that was very, very strange indeed. Yeah, it's mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, stuffing. The thing about the thing that I don't understand is why is stuffing really only a Thanksgiving side? It doesn't you don't see it otherwise. Stuffing is delicious.
9: Yeah. And most people don't make it where you actually stuff the turkey.
0: So I guess that was why in the beginning.
9: But now you can you can make it any time. I don't get it either.
0: Yeah. So, what what's what's your favorite side?
9: Uh, I guess if we're just talking Thanksgiving, since we only have it once a year, it's got to be stuffing.
0: Yeah. Although they did have, I think Florida had sweet potato casserole, which I also like very much. You know, with the I had the, never been,
9: had that before yet yeah, uh, two days ago. And it was actually baked, really good.
0: Yeah, baked sweet potato. Some people put a little marshmallow topping on. I'm getting hungry just thinking about this right now. It's good stuff.
9: Yeah, I'm absolutely starving now. Thank do, you. Do you
0: do? Yeah, I know. We're both getting hungry. Do you do uh, Do do you do the turkey, or is that like a family, or how does that work?
9: Uh, my wife's family, that's their favorite uh, holiday, so uh, her parents always take care of that. They have a very nice spread every year, and usually this year they will probably only be five or six people. Usually there's like 50 in their house, so it'll be different this year.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. Check it out. Cool. All right well we'll talk more about Thanksgiving as it gets closer only a few weeks away though folks gonna be gonna be here pretty soon
9: Where would that come from
0: um, well, you said you had friendsgiving
9: No no I mean like where'd that come from like how is it almost Thanksgiving That's what I meant Oh oh it feels yeah, like we snapped yeah. our finger fingers no, and I know went I, from I, March I, to November
0: we were, we were I feel like we were in summertime and all of a sudden we have got to think about Christmas gifts you, you know I, I'll talk more about this too my family. I know you, you do Hanukkah. But in my family, for adults, now, now that I have a little nephew, as soon as you know, we're going to get him, you know, the kids get presents. I mean, I'm not a Grinch. But uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in, for adults, Christmas gifts, you know, a lot of pressure, a lot, a lot of, I don't know. I, I'm, we, we, we all decided we, we went no gifts for the, among adults and that our gift to each other is taking time off and spending time together. I that might sound a little corny. Way better, way better. Really? We go to church together as a family. We spend time together. That's what we do instead of like getting the fifth sweater in a row for my dad. And having to be like, wow, a sweater.
9: <laughs> no gifts at all. Really?
0: Yeah, we don't do that's gifts. Crazy. I know. I know it's not very capitalist of us, but
9: for some business. Look, I'm not
0: I think gifts for employees and for friends and to show appreciation to people. I think that's great. I mean, I I do gifts for anybody who works in, in the building where I live, the staff. You know, I, I hook them up with gifts. So. I'm not against gifts for Christmas, but for your immediate family, everybody oh.
9: but producer Mark, and the buck knows gets a gift.
0: I mean, what's with Hanukkah? Do you do? Oh, I guess you do gifts for Hanukkah yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We'll mm-hmm. take we'll take care of
9: that mm-hmm. this year. You'll see.
0: You're gonna be. Do I, you get I gotta the ask. No
9: princess is, gifts.
0: Um. Or will you? Well, she's, see always, your first time? She's, she's a constant gift. Uh, no, I mean she, we, we, we probably will do that. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I gotta get her. I a feel gift.
9: like uh, fine if you want to say no family gifts because you know. Yeah, no, it's significant another, older, You gotta you gotta. You gotta get your significant you other gifts. gifts.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. All righty, let's get into it. Christopher writes in Buck, you're killing me. The Beach was a terrible movie. I don't know which is worse, Leonardo's performance in Romeo and Juliet or The Beach. Otherwise, great show. Regarding the beautiful state, uh, regards rather, from the beautiful state of Utah, home of Senator Mike Lee. Uh, Chris, I didn't say The Beach was a good movie. I think I said it was pretty entertaining for what it is. And the beginning, it goes, I'll tell you this. The first hour of that movie is very watchable. It's very escapist, uh, you know, and and then it goes off a cliff. There's no question about it. But it's pretty good for what it is. I did not see the Romeo and Juliet that you're talking about, which was like the MTV remake Romeo and Juliet with uh, Claire Danes, whose acting career has always been a total mystery to me. Like, I don't understand how this person has been in anything, but she's, you know, she was in Homeland now and she's in all the stuff. I, I don't get it at all. I don't, I don't understand the appeal. I'm just saying. Uh, but I did watch for the first time uh, with the Snow Princess. I did watch the talented Mr. Ripley over the weekend. Which is very good. It also goes off the rails a little bit, I'd say. I'd, and it's about 30 minutes too long. This is my big complaint about movies. 90 minutes is the sweet spot. A great movie like Braveheart can be three hours, but 90 minutes is the sweet spot for a movie. Two-hour movies, I'm usually looking at my watch saying, is this almost over? It's just too long.
9: I think you just have to watch better movies, Buck. Ah.
0: Uh. Even good movies, though, I'll say I think this was a little I think it was a little bit too long. You know, I think movies. between
9: 90 minutes and two hours is a sweet spot. I think you're right there.
0: OK, yeah. <laughs> I mean, be, I'll say this above two hours. I'm definitely like when it gets the 215 220 mark. I'm like, why are they why are they doing this? there are very few exceptions. The Godfather, Braveheart. You know, some of those movies can be longer. Um, it, even Dances with Wolves. I mean, that movie, I, I think I aged three years watching that movie. The movie goes on forever. Uh, and it, you know it has it's pretty watchable for what it is. I actually kind of enjoy Dances with Wolves as a movie, you know. But anyway, you've seen that one, right? I don't think so. Oh, that's that's a classic. I think it won Best Picture many years ago. It's pretty it's pretty solid. Anyway, Talented Mr. Ripley, eh, maybe maybe gets a B plus. Maybe gets it. It had been on my list of movies that I had meant to see that I hadn't seen, so you know maybe I go B plus with it. All right, Brian. It'd probably actually a B. Brian Buck and Bruce and Mark, long-time listener, first-time writer. I love the show. Listen daily on podcasts, and I pass the buck. Well, Brian, you're amazing, and we appreciate you very much, my friend. I'm writing from the formerly and hopefully still red state of Arizona. It sickens me what's going on with the election shenanigans. I'm praying for President Trump to win, but at a minimum, we need a free, fair, and transparent election. Is there an official site where freedom-loving, freedom-loving patriots can help the campaign with legal costs? I say I saw Lindsey Graham pledge five hundred thousand dollars. I'd love to do my part to help President Trump. After all he's done for our country, Brian. I'm sure there is. I don't know offhand. I know uh, we had our friend Sean Parnell talk about his his legal uh, challenges and how he's raising money for those for PA seventeen. But at the national level, I'm sure if you just go to the uh, if you go to the uh, you know national Republican. Uh, congressional committee site. If you go to uh, the Trump campaign, just go to the Trump campaign site. Forget that. Just go to the Trump campaign site. That's the way to do it. And I'm sure they have that there for you. So, Brian, I hear you, though. It's uh, it's kind of crazy. Can't confirm
9: it is right on the DonaldJTrump.com website.
0: There we go. DonaldJTrump.com. Go to that. Want to donate? That's where you go. Maureen. Hey, bucket producer Mark. Why didn't the RNC... Have poll watchers in every polling place 24-7. I'm sure they'd have had a million willing volunteers. And why aren't there standardized voting rules, election day only, in person only, with the exceptions for the military and the elderly, who can turn in absentee ballots? No votes sooner than five days before, no votes allowed after 7 p.m. on election day, period. That offsets unprovable cheating. My question, if Biden steals this from the people, shouldn't we on the right go after with everything we've got on Hunter, on Joe's criminal behavior, on anything and everything, and treat him as badly as Trump has been treated and hound him? I'm crushed and disgusted. Very sad. Love you guys. Trump 2024. Uh, Maureen, you ask so many good questions. Uh, You ask about, um, for example, the standardization of these different election rules and guidelines. And, and, and I would, I would agree with you that that would be uh, a good idea that we should have that. Um, I would just say that unfortunately we're not there and Democrats are going to fight that. Now they feel like this is their pathway to future victories that Democrats in their minds, they think that this is what, this is how they keep winning election after election at the national level going forward. And they're going to also try to replicate this at the smaller scale in the midterms and congressional seats. So don't don't think this is going away. It's going to be a big fight. And and their position is going to be what it always has been, which is Democrats oppose any. Common sense, you could say very, I think that's a good way of putting it. Common sense voter integrity measures They they oppose them. They do not want them to happen. You know, whether it's voter ID, whether, you know, anything, they always want to make it easier for votes that should not count to be counted. And look, I think it's they always assume that we just want to suppress voters. That's always their thing. Everything we do is to suppress voters. Uh, Well, everything they do is to make it easier for voters to cheat. (laughs) So that's our that's our response to that. They're always trying to make it so that we can't find out if there's cheating. Uh, They make it easier for people to cheat. And that's how Democrats think they're going to keep winning elections unless we stop them.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: More roll call to close things out today. Jay writes, hey, Buck Bruce and Bruce Mark, love everything you guys do. I got a question. Can it be argued that when the election officials in Georgia, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania stopped counting for evening, for the evening, that it ended the official counting process and nothing counted after that should be valid? Also, I love the Dracula podcast. Awesome to hear the we- the real story without all the weird crap. Shields high. Well, Jay, thank you so much. I uh, Appreciate that. And as for. Um, as for where we are on getting the... Uh, no, I don't think you're going to be able to get any vote after the official counting process stopped thrown out. It, this is election laws. Look, it's, there, There's a there's a federal component, but there's also the state-by-state state specifics of it. So you really got to get into individual cases. What happened? What state? What's the law say? So I don't think you're going to be able to get that kind of a sweeping... Declaration that anything that came out after a certain point is going to be not counted. But I, I do think that there are valid challenges underway and that you might see a state or two shift. Um, I, I'm st- I, I, for my part, think that Pennsylvania and Arizona, if we just see this through, are going are gonna to flip red. I think that can really happen. Cindy. Whether Trump wins or not, do you uh, who do you see as picking up the mantle in the Republican Party to run and win in 2024? Is there anyone that can garner the following and enthusiasm that Trump has established? Well, Cindy, it's a great question. And uh, I think, honestly, your guess at this point is as good as mine. There are certainly some names that come to mind. I mean, I don't think Ted Cruz's presidential aspirations are over with. I don't think... Uh, I don't think that Josh Hawley is just uh, content with where he is. I think that he wants to maybe make a run. I think Christy Noem is great, and I would really li- like to see her or maybe have aspirations of even higher office. So, th- you know, that's those are names that come to mind. I know people are going to say Trump's children. Depends on which one, and, you know, we got to get into the specifics there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I-, I think that... Uh, there's a there's a deep Republican bench and there are a lot of people that are going to want to get in the mix here. But let's see if it's really going to be Trump. Twi- oh, and Trump himself. I shouldn't forget that. I, I do believe the president of the United States is a very decent chance that he may decide uh, that he wants to run again if if he doesn't win this challenge. So that's what I would all put it. And, you know, will, will I run, Cindy? You're not asking me that. But uh, I don't know. We see if producer Mark wants to be a campaign manager. I think he likes his gig right now, though.
9: Yeah, I'm cool with where I am. Less yeah. stress.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, you're you're campaign manager, dude. We got you gotta fly a lot. You gotta travel a lot. Raise money. Long, long, late, late, late hours. You know. By the time, time the just,
9: campaign comes around, I'm gonna have kids. Probably it's gonna be. Yeah, awesome. exa-
0: exactly, exactly. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. So I don't think, I don't think that's in our future. Uh, Bill writes, Biden talked about every vote representing a person tonight. With that being true, he understands why it's important to investigate the irregularities and ensure the validity of his statement, right? Well, no, Bill, unfortunately, I mean, you're raising a good point. Unfortunately, what matters to Biden, what matters to Democrats right now is that they win. And everything else is going to be secondary to that. What they want is victory. They want to win. And whatever they have to do to get to that point is what, they, what they're going to do. So we'll continue, friends, in this fight. The fight is not over. And I think in so many ways, now more than ever, we understand why this is the motto of this show, Shields High.